Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Pie catch up. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water. Based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Arrested Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled Game, Set, and Match. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. It's an axiom of counterintelligence work that once a trick or technique is known to the other side, it must be abandoned. No matter how well it's worked in the past, it must be ruthlessly scrapped. In the late autumn of 1944, I'd moved my headquarters to Einhoven in Holland. The area had just been liberated by the Allied armies, and it was my task, just behind the lines, to seek out the traitors and spies who'd been working for the Germans and who'd been left behind in the German retreat. In the confusion of war, they were not easy to find. Rumors spread quickly. Sometimes innocent men were accused out of spite. I had always to be on guard. One young man who was named by a resistance group was Cornelius Berlosa. Berlosa. Oh, come in. Sit down, please. Thank you, sir. Uh, <clears throat> full name? Cornelius Berlosa. Name? 26, sir. Religion? Protestant. Born? Eindhoven. Are you married or single? Married, sir. Wife's name, age, religion? Rika, sir. She's 24. Uh, she's Protestant, too. Family? A son, sir. He's called Johannes from my father. He's age four. Do you know why you're here? Yes, sir. The local resistance men have named you as a suspect. Yes, sir. But I can't understand it. I, I worked for them for two years. I was in the resistance. I've just been to Breda for them. They say you were friendly with the Germans, and they suspect you of being a traitor. But that's nonsense, sir. They, they all know me. Why do they name me? I don't know. There's been a great deal of naming going on, denouncing of enemies. Is there anyone who might bear you a grudge that has any old scores to settle with you? No, sir. I've always done what I was asked to do. They invited me to join the resistance. Then what is your answer to this charge? Who made it, sir? A charge has been made. I'm asking for your answer. But I'm innocent. I, I cannot understand it. You're not prepared to say that you might have been named to jealousy, a personal grudge, or to pay off an old score? No, sir. Nothing that I know of. If you can tell me who it is, sir... Now, you I understand that I'm only doing my duty, and that if you are, in fact, innocent, the more fully you cooperate with me, the sooner we'll know the truth of this matter. Yes, sir. And that I must hold you here until I can determine this case and make a report. Yes, sir. Well, I'll make inquiries. Then I'll see you again. Thank you, sir. Haven't we all? This way. 
When Salope had gone, I made an examination of his personal belongings. He seemed honest and genuinely confused by the charge. He had been to Breda on a job for the resistance, and we had arrested him on his return and searched him. His belongings were ordinary enough, and most of them innocent enough. A fountain pen, a small amount of money, two handkerchiefs, house keys, a box of matches, a wallet containing some postage stamps, a photograph of a young woman with a baby, presumably his wife and child, an identity card pertaining to his job in a local radio factory. He carried a small photograph of him, his name and signature, and it stated that he was a supervisor, common enough in factories taken over by the Germans. He also had a small personal diary. It contained rather cryptic entries against certain dates, groups of figures. Well, this sort of thing was always suspect. I wondered if the dates were important. I decided to have a talk with the resistance leader who had named him. How long have you known fellow? All my life. He's a local lad. And how long was he with your resistance group? About two years. Before that, he helped us from time to time. What kind of help? Uh, he worked in a radio factory. He was a supervisor, and that was useful to us. He supplied us with valves and equipment from time to time to repair our radio sets, later to build a small transmitter. And he gave us information, told us what kind of equipment the Germans were making and about the output of the factory, which we sent to England. Did you do any sabotage in his factory? Yes. Did he help? Yes. How? He told us when new equipment was ready and led our party in to deal with it. Once he told us of a wagon that was loaded with the new equipment and we were able to destroy it. Why do you suspect him? Well, it was later, when he was in the group, this last year. On six different raids that Verlope was on, something went wrong. There was the bridge at Helmand. We had special explosives given us for that job. It was very important that the bridge should be blown. Verlope volunteered to do it. We'd lost some of our best men a week before, so I said yes. We blew the bridge in return. In the morning, we found that the bridge had been hardly damaged at all. It was working again in 24 hours, and our special explosives had been used up. No. Well, uh, that bridge at Helmand. There was a German guard post near it. It's an important railway bridge. When Verloeff was botching that job, the Germans never opened fire. Hmm. And the others? Four raids that Verloeff was on. All in the past year, the Germans were waiting for us. We had casualties. But Verloeff was never hit. Were you ever hit? Yes. Once in the lake. During one of the raids when Salope was not hit? Yes. But you were able to escape? Yes. Are you suggesting that because he wasn't wounded or killed in these attacks, that he's suspect? No, 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 I don't mean that at all. You know that there are soldiers outside, British soldiers, who fought all the way from Normandy. Their units have had casualties, sometimes heavy casualties, but they have come through. You're not suggesting that they have some arrangement with the Germans? With soldiers, it is different. They're fighting a battle. In the resistance, it's four or five men pinned down. The German guards can pick almost anyone they like. Now, there was the raid at Hazer. That evening, Berlope called off. He couldn't come. And the Germans were waiting for us. They waited until we got to the railway line and opened fire. 
We lost four men. But you're not suggesting that Sir Lope's defection was known to every German guard in the area. That it was common knowledge even to a German private soldier that he mustn't fire at Sir Lope. No. Then what is the substance of the charge against him? Sir, many things can happen in a resistance group. We know that some men, not only here but in Belgium and France too, after a year or more of danger, want to get out of it. Those who work near the Germans in a factory like Verloop can go to the Germans, tell them, and, well, then they have it both ways. They're trusted by us, and there's no danger of being arrested or captured. Yes. Yes, I know that has happened. Everything went well with us until a year ago, sir. We think it was Verloop, and we're asking your help. That is the substance of the charge. Yes. We all feel the same about it. Hello. I've been talking to the leader of your resistance group. He told Was me... Was it he who named me? I have many cases to deal with besides yours, and I have occasion to meet resistance leaders. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. I was saying. He told me that before you joined the group, you'd done a great deal of valuable work for them. Yes, sir. Well, tell me about it. Did he tell you that at first I refused to join the group? No. Why did you refuse to join it was at the beginning, sir. I'd been married only a year. My wife was expecting our child. I thought my first duty was to my wife and child. So when they asked me, I, I said no. The resistance had just started. There were plenty of young men who wanted to join. After Johannes was born, they came to me again. Who came to you? Well, it was a friend of my family, sir. Cousin of my mother's. Jan van Hook. He was killed in one of the raids. What did he want of him? knew about the baby, but he asked me if I could get some radio parts from the factory to repair a radio set. I said I'd try. I got them for him. About a month later, he came back and asked if I could get some other things for him. You could do this without danger? Not without some danger. You can't do anything against the Germans without some danger. But I was then a supervisor. I could move about. I wasn't tied to the bench. So I could do it easier than any of the other workers. You offered to steal these parts and pass them on to the resistance. Yes. And when I gave them to him, I also told him of new radio sets that were being made for the German aircraft. He was interested and asked for more information about the sets which he told me was being passed on to England, to the RAF. Again he came. It was for some parts for a transmitter. And he also said that the RAF wanted information about the output of the factory and about any new sets that were being made. You were able to get this secret information? Oh, some of it, sir. As a supervisor, I had a special pass. It was called a white pass. This pass? Uh, yes, sir, that's it. Only certain supervisors were allowed into certain departments. It, it says so, yes. How long did you go on passing this information? About two years, sir. And then I told them that a shipment of new sets had been completed and was ready to go to Germany. They asked me if I would lead them into the yard that night and point out the wagon. Well, I was scared at first, but I was the only one who could lead them to it, so I agreed. They put incendiary bombs in the wagon. They knew exactly where to place them. And in just a few minutes, the job was done, and we were away. I was very impressed, very pleased to have done something like that. I decided that this was what I wanted to do, something active, something you could see. And after that, you took part in the raid. Yes. Let's talk about the last year. 
It was then that things began to go wrong. Yes, it wasn't so easy then. Do you know why it wasn't so easy? Well, the Germans were taking greater care. There had been so much sabotage, they put on more guards. I know that they doubled the guard at the factory. On a number of occasions, raiding parties were ambushed. Yes, sir. I was in some of those raids. In each case, the raiding party had casualties, but you were never hit. That's correct, sir. They say that you seem to bear charmed life. Others were killed and wounded, more and more in each successive ambush. A steady decimation of the group. But you were never hit. Can you explain that? There were others who weren't shot? Only two others. And they didn't take part in as many raids as you did. I'm asking about you. I suppose, well, because I kept myself well-trained, sir. I should be played seriously, though. They were very dangerous. Some of the men were very careless. I kept myself fit and well-trained. When we were going to the place, I always kept my eyes open for good cover, and I, I listened carefully all the time. After all, we, we were being ambushed often. My carbine was always in good order. When trouble started, I took good cover. I always stayed to fight. I never ran away. I wasn't wounded, but that's how a soldier should behave. And then there was the raid at Hazer. That was perhaps the worst ambush of them all. Yes, sir. I wasn't at Hazel. sir. Why not? I called off that night, sir. I had a bad cold. I went to bed. A cold? Was that enough to keep you from an important raid? Yes, sir. I had a bad cold and a cough. In the darkness, when you must be silent, a man with a cough is a danger to all his comrades. Nevertheless, this party was ambushed and suffered very heavy casualties. Yes, sir. We lost many men. Some of our best men. My friend, Jan van Hoek, was killed. And our leader was wounded. And when you had lost so many men, most of your best men, there came the affair of Helmont. Now, as I understand it, it was an important railway bridge, and it had to be destroyed to start the German retreat. Yes, sir. So important that specially constructed explosives were supplied to your group for this job. That's right, sir. But by now, most of your best men had been killed, and the leader was wounded, and you volunteered to destroy the bridge. Yes, sir. You went there... You placed the charges, and you failed to destroy the bridge. I blew up part of it, sir. But not enough. No, sir. And the strange thing happened that night. There was no ambush. There was no ambush, and you botched the job. It couldn't have been better for the Germans. Is that the charge against me, sir? Is that what they're saying? That I'm a traitor because I couldn't blow up the bridge? I tried, I did my best. All the explosives didn't go off. That's why it wasn't destroyed. I destroyed part of it, but the rest didn't go off. Am I to die because I didn't destroy the bridge? Is that what they want? No. I don't think they want you to die for not blowing the bridge. They want you to die for being in league with the Germans. Because there was no ambush that night. But don't you believe my story? I've already told you a charge has been made and I have to examine it. For your good as well as mine. Yes, sir. You have a cigarette? No, thank you, sir. I don't smoke. You? Oh. Well, I think we'll call it a day. If I want you, I'll send for you. Thank you, sir. There have been two points in the interrogation of Salo, two answers which intrigued me. I decided to think about them before seeing him again. Next day, 
I sent for him. Now, where were we if I left? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Before all this trouble, the resistance thought very highly of you. Yes, sir. You were a very useful contact. You obtained radio parts for them so that they could repair their radio sets and listen to instructions from London. And you obtained equipment for them so that they could build a transmitter to send messages to London. And you also obtained important information for the Allies, which they sent to London. Yes, sir. And none of this could possibly be said to help the Germans. Indeed, quite the contrary. Yes, of course, sir. Are you in a position to get this information for the Allies? Tell me about it. I was a supervisor. And in this part of the factory, there were two secret establishments where they worked on special equipment for the German Air Force. There were other secret establishments that I couldn't get into, but I could get into the two in my own part of the factory. Was this difficult? Was it dangerous? Oh, no, sir. They, there were small places where they did special jobs, and I had a pass that took me there as required. How did you gain entrance? Well, there was a guard there, sir. Of course, they were very careful. At the end of the building, there was a door. It was an armored door, and behind it, a German guard. Each time I had business in the special establishment, I had to go to this door, press a button, and wait. The door would be unbolted. My pass would be inspected by the guard. Then he would let me through. Then the door would be bolted again. The same thing happened on the way out. How many people had such passes? All supervisors, sir, and above. Senior supervisors, managers. But only for their own part of the factory. Only Germans were allowed to go everywhere. How did you pass this information to the resistance? Was it written down? Well, not at the time, sir. But to pass it on to the resistance to send it to England accurately, you must have written it down. Yes, sir, when I got home. Hmm. Writing down such information would be dangerous. Did you have a code for it? Well, no, sir. It could be done in figures. There was radio circuits and wave bands, mostly. It could be done in formulae and figures. I see. And this rather cryptic method was enough for this purpose? Yes, sir. When did you stop passing on information about the Germans to the Allies? About a year ago, sir. Why was it? Well, by that time, it was more important to sabotage the equipment, to destroy it, than just to report on it. Then perhaps you'll explain to me why this year you've continued to make cryptic little notes in your personal diary. What notes, sir? Well, I'll read them to you. Perhaps you can tell me what they mean. There are a number of them. They go back as far as March. It was about then that the ambushing began. Yes, sir. Now I'll choose just a few. The week of June the 3rd, you've noted 1672-150. The week of June the 20th, you've noted 1876-245. The week of August the 18th, that was the week of the ambush at Hazer. Yes. You have notes 14998-148. And for the week of September the 2nd, the attack on the bridge at Helmond, you've noted 1672-150-535. They look like times and numbers. Yes, sir. Will you explain why this is written down and tell me what it means? Yes, May I see my diary? Certainly. Here it is. Thank you. But they're not only on the dates you mentioned, sir. There are other dates. Yes. 
I'm asking for your explanation. I told you, sir, that to go on a raid, you should be in good health and be fit. I decided that I must be fit, and I made myself very fit. Oh. Well, these are my notes, sir. I always made a check before I went on a raid. I would do exercises, sir. I'd go swimming. These are my swimming times, running times, pulse rate, respiration, my, my weight, and things like that. Here, look, sir. Each month I've recorded my weight. Here, you see here, 150. You see, I wanted to know that I was fit for a job. Here, you see, is my pulse rate, 70. That's quite normal. But when you're in danger, if you're afraid, it increases. It can increase up to panic point. Now, the, the 16 here, you see, that's my respiration. Again, normal. I even stopped smoking altogether, to be fit. Right. Here you are, sir. You asked about June the 3rd. Uh, that was just before a raid. 16, 72, 150. Respiration normal, pulse normal, and, and it's not 150, sir, which sounds like a time, but 150 pounds, my, my normal weight. You see, I was fit. Here. Here are my swimming times. My running yes, all right. I accept your explanation. Thank you. Now, I want you to tell me again about the factory and about this special part. Well, the secret part of the factory was the armored door. I had to go there, press the button. The door would be unbolted and opened. My pass was presented with my photograph on it, and I then went through into the secret establishment. All this time, you were in the sight of other workmen. Yes, sir, all the time. You were suspected of having met with the Germans and passed on information about the resistance to them. I never met with the Germans. At work or afterwards, I was always with my own people. If I had met the Germans, the resistance could have followed me. Of course. Cigarette? Oh, I don't smoke, sir. Gave it up. Of course. In order to keep fit. I see you still carry matches. Do you mind if I use them? No. Hmm. Hmm. I picked a dove. Perhaps they're... Perhaps they're dancer. Are they? Let's try another. That's better. I've carried them a long time. Some of them may have got dancer. Maybe. These are your matches, fellow. Yes, sir. Hmm. Let me tell you a story. Two years ago, when I was in London, interrogating people as I am now interrogating you, two young Dutchmen arrived from an open boat. They were brothers, and they were good patriots. They'd escaped to England by the rather dangerous trick of going to the Germans and pretending to be German sympathizers and offering to come to England as spies. When they arrived, they were brought to me for interrogation. Immediately, they told me of their ruse and how they had tricked the Germans into sending them. I then asked them the important question, how they were supposed to get their information back. What was the German technique? I had their belongings in front of me. They pointed to some innocent boxes of matches. They explained that most of the matches were genuine and would light, but some of them were fake. I asked them how they could tell the fakes, and they showed me that the heads of the fake matches 
was a little bit lighter in colour. Not very much, but lighter. It was, in fact, a chemical. An excellent invisible ink, and very difficult to detect. But they also showed me how to detect it. Fellow, I've already tested these fakes of yours. The heads are made of the same invisible ink. I've also tested the back of your pass, your white pass. It's been used for passing information by this means. It was all so easy, wasn't it? Whenever you had information for the Germans, you wrote it like this on the back of your pass and handed it to the German security guard. He kept it for a while or gave you another pass in return. You can't deny it. Can you? Why did you do it? Come on, why did you do it? The, the Germans were going to break the resistance. I heard about it at the factory. They were, they were bringing in more troops, more guards. They were going to destroy us. You could have warned the resistance? I did. I told them. I, I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. They said we were to carry on as before. You could have left the resistance. No, no, you couldn't leave. Not when the Germans were breaking them up. They would say I was a coward. So, to save your own skin, you went for the Germans. No, sir. Well, what were you trying to save? My baby, sir. My wife and my baby. And when you went to them, the Germans forced you to stay in the resistance to betray their plan. Yes, sir. Will they shoot me, sir? Perhaps. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I did it, sir. But I, I'll help you. I'll tell you all I know. I, I know about other spies, about, about German spies. Will you make such a statement now? Yes, sir. As I said, it's an axiom that once a trick, like a match trick, has been discovered, it should be abandoned. Cornelius Fallop, who betrayed the resistance, made a full confession and implicated other spies. He was tried in Holland and sent to prison for life. You've been listening to Spycatcher, with Bernard Archard as Colonel Oreste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr, and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Maxwell. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.